Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. The book of 2 Timothy is a very personal letter written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, whom he considers to be a son in the faith. He sees Timothy almost like an adopted son. They have a very close relationship. So let's look at 2 Timothy. If I could get uh, Jason, would you read 2 Timothy, verse 15? Chapter 2. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So, what is Timothy? What does he do? He teaches. He's a preacher. Paul knows that. Paul has had a significant influence on what Timothy is probably teaching. And what does he tell him to do here in verse 15? At the very end of the verse. Accurately handle or divide the word of truth. Now, Timothy, being a preacher, a teacher, is that principle of handling all right, the Word of God, only applicable to a preacher? No. Well, I'm glad we agree. <laughs> what does it mean to handle or to accurately handle the Word of Truth or the Word of God? What does that, what does that convey in your mind? Well, first you have to know it. You have to know it. <clears throat> to know it, you've got to study it. And I think what is to try to see what God wants you to learn, not what you want you to learn from it. So it's having the perspective of truly finding the meaning of where of what God is wanting you through the scripture, as opposed to what I want the scriptures to say. Okay. So the opposite is not to mishandle it. Not to mishandle it. And I think we're touching on it, but I'm looking for a word that starts with I. I was going to say the, uh, to have the, the knowledge and the understanding to be able to not only apply it in your own life, but able to be able to teach others, to convey it to others. Don? The scripture says that the Word of God is of no private interpretation. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I word. Interpretation. Okay? Because it shouldn't be our private interpretation. It should engage us to really seek and to find out what that truth is. It doesn't take very long for any of us to find someone who has a different interpretation or an application of a piece of scripture. At some point, we have to accept the simple truth that some of them and possibly including yourself, that you're wrong. <coughs> that you're wrong. So, handling accurately the Word means that we should strive very, very diligently to properly interpret, place the proper interpretation of, upon God's Word. So, you're asking about interest. In my in my opinion, it means truth. And it's there is one truth. 
and it's our job to keep studying until we find the actual, the one truth. There, like you said, there's not more than one interpretation of it, and I think that's where we, I think that's where we fail often. And I know dealing with the world in our own personal lives, there's so many that they feel it's just an interpretation of the Bible that we're living. And it's like, no, there is one truth. And I think that we have to get to the mindset to realize there is one truth. There is, there is. And for a number of reasons, uh, legitimate or not, many people do not handle the Bible accurately. Um, they might be sloppy. Um, they might be lazy. They may have their own agenda that they're being driven by, or just they're just plain ignorant, okay, uh, of a more accurate way as as presented in, in God's Word. I handed in the handout that I gave you. And by the way, does anybody need a handout for the lesson material? Are we on lesson one? We're on lesson one. <laughs> Lesson two will be on, on, on Wednesday. Anybody else? How do we reconcile the fact that there is one truth, but in Scripture there are some things that are commanded, there are some things that are prescribed, and there are some things that there are examples of? And like not everything has to be done exactly the same way, like in a church body. Like how do you reconcile that? Hold that thought. We'll see if, if by going through we kind of open open that idea up because it is a good thought or good concern. Anybody else? Okay, in in that handout, I talk about um, on the second page. Have you ever been told, well that's just your interpretation? And, and that's an attitude, an expression uh, of an attitude that stems from equating interpretation with teaching false doctrine. I said, what one is really saying when they state that's just your interpretation is, I don't agree with your doctrine. I don't agree with your belief. I don't agree with what you're teaching. I don't agree with your principle. The problem with that is, what are they seeing? They're seeing you in the equation. What do we need to see? Christ. Christ. We need to see the truth. Yeah. And that kind of relates to what you know, you're know you saying. When you talk about truths and principles and things like that, yes, we need to see them. So when we're dealing with people that just say, well, that's just your, your interpretation, well, that's... That's an open invitation <laughs> to, to maybe... You can some... show them in the Bible, too, that one day still. I was talking with a lady at Kimberly the other day, and we were talking about Jesus' brothers, Joseph and Mary's children, together. And she said, well, they didn't have any children. They didn't have any other children. I read it to her in the Bible, and she said, well, 
We have to laugh at things like that, but there are people out there that firmly believe it. You know what I would have said? Well, go get your Bible. Let's see. I want to see what yours says. I know what it says because I have I have been there with another person of this persuasion. They never take into consideration that what you're saying is right, and we should strive to, to you know, whatever we're saying is, is right. I don't know who had the end up first. I was Sarah? just going to say uh, there are denominations who don't obey copyright laws of the Bible, and they actually make their own interpretation of their Bible. It's very, uh, when people say that, it's possible that they have known nothing but their interpretation of the Bible because that's what their denomination has <coughs> given them yep. and said, don't believe anything other than this. So, I mean, it's, it's worth considering to put them side by side and see, you know, what's, what's, uh, what's in here that's not yours, etc. But she still believes hers instead of mine. Right. Don, when you look at the vast majority of the so-called religious world today in this country that believes in the millennial doctrine, and they come to your door and they start telling you how great the rapture is going to be and all this other sort of stuff. And you turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17. And you don't use yours. Ask them for theirs. And you read that out of theirs. And it says the same thing. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with, together with them in the clouds. Caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now where's the Lord? He's in the air. How long are we going to be with Him in the air? Forever. Where does it say that the Lord's feet are going to touch this ground again? Yeah. Oh, that's just your interpretation. That's just your interpretation. That's plain English. <laughs> there can be no doubt that interpretation is very, very important. Um, Almost in any field of endeavor, whether it be medicine, pharmacy, law, um, all of those require a proper interpretation. John? You know, I've, I've gotten caught up on these different versions have different meanings. You know, I, I just went through a study yesterday on, on share and uh, separate. You know, one, one, one translation will say share, another version will say separate. So. Which one do we go by? Which version? The New American Standard or the, the uh, King James? So they have different meanings. And they're way different. So that's, that's a problem. They well. could use different words. But yeah. sometimes when, if the principle is the same, using that different word, but the principle is the same, then there really is no difference. And sometimes when I see things like that I don't understand, you know what do I do? I go look at the Greek. I'm sorry to say that, but sometimes you got to dive back in there and look at what was written originally to see if you can get a better grasp or a better idea of what was being what was being said. Um, is that the next the next set of lessons? The Mitch is going to the Mitch is going to do. He's yeah. going to talk about some of the aids that right. you know things to help you in our study, and believe me, um, that's why I use an interlinear myself. Yeah. It, 
I'm, I'm hoping he'll show that, that yeah. that's kind of an important thing. And even if you don't own a hard copy of it, they're online. You can find them, you know, with a computer. So, getting over the emotional and the mental hurdle of being wrong <laughs> is a good first step to finding and holding on to what is right. Because as I said, when somebody says, that's just your interpretation, what it boils down to is they're saying, I don't believe what you're saying or teaching. <coughs> so there's an element of truth there. Somebody's wrong, somebody's right. And rather get into this, I think it's it's an opportunity to sit down and, and do a study. Like Don said, use their Bible instead of yours. I was just thinking back to when you were saying, you know, to go, you wanted to go back to the Greek to learn that. I think that's the biggest thing is you have to want to know the truth. You know, and a lot of times when people don't or that's your just just your interpretation, it's, you can kind of and not that I'm judging that, but you really have to want to know the truth. And if you don't, then you're not going to find it because. And sometimes that's hard when we come across that because we want them to be the truth. An attitude of uh, using your own personal life sometimes helps them to hear what you, you're saying. You might say, I used to think this, but the Bible says this. So that's the truth. You know, if you just use yourself sometimes, it's hard, easier for them to accept there's one truth or somebody's right and somebody's wrong. <laughs> That's kind of hard. It is hard. It, it is hard. Um, look at First Timothy, if you will. Just turn back to First Timothy. Chapter 4. And... Um, verse 16. And Randy, would would you read First Timothy 4:16? First Timothy 4:16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Again, who's speaking here? Or who's writing? Paul. Paul, and he's writing to Timothy. Timothy. Again, the young charge, and he's telling him, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Uh, again, is that only applicable for a preacher? Yeah. Or is the principle <laughs> wider and, and bigger in scope than just that? It is. It's wider and bigger in scope. Um, you can change, pay close attention to your teaching to also imply pay close attention to your studying. Okay. Uh, it too will ensure salvation for you and most likely anyone who wants to listen to you. So paying close attention, not just to hearing, but even in our own studies. If you, if you look at the Greek on that, the article is contained there with doctrine. So it is pay attention to the thing taught. We're talking about the words of Christ coming down through the apostles through the evangelist. So it all goes back to pay attention to the words of the Holy Spirit or the words of God all the way through. So it's continuous from God to Christ through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, through those writers of the New Testament, and now through us. So it's pay attention to that entire loop of bringing that thing taught all the way through 
so that you teach the exact same thing that Paul and Timothy taught. It's like you apply it to yourself before you try to teach it. Well, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, that helps. And, and don't get ahead because that's what we're going to study Wednesday night is application. Okay, so I encourage you all to be here for a Wednesday night study. But, but it's true. What we have today is phenomenal. Timothy didn't have a good portion of what we have before us today. And I know we, we, we talk about other denominations and other people, but I like to put it back on ourselves. And I think even sometimes in the church we get a little lazy with some being comfortable with some of our traditions. And I'm going to say maybe being uncomfortable with churches that only have Sunday morning service as opposed to Sunday morning, Sunday evening. Like that's not scriptural, but there are people who are uncomfortable with that. And, and I think that we get, so you were asking the question of decline of Bible study, and I think sometimes even in the church we get really comfortable with the way things are said and how things are said, and it's not that they're wrong. I'm just saying we don't study it for ourselves, we just repeat what others have said. Good, good point. Yeah, because it's important that we study it for ourselves, for sure. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this class, I hope, <laughs> is to encourage us and strive drive us all to, to study more of God's Word. So let me read Acts, uh, Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 30. Jason, would you read that? Yes, sir. He said Acts 8 and 30. Mm -hmm. we've, we've looked at this verse before, but... Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? What important question was Philip asking of the Ethiopian eunuch? Does he understand? Do you understand what you are reading? Um, proper understanding equals proper interpretation. You see how the two go hand in hand? So I hope you can you can see that. Um, I gave two good reasons for why interpretation is important in the material there. And reason number one is because improper and false interpretation can cause error and harm, not to you just personally, but maybe even to those that you are encountering and, and dealing with. <clears throat> I got a lot of scripture here, and I'm not sure we're going to get through all of this, but Jesus pointed this out to the Sadducees regarding resurrection. Now, what we know about this, the, the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And what did Jesus bluntly tell them? You're wrong. You're wrong. You don't understand. <coughs> I mean, that bluntly had to be told to them that they just didn't get that. And that's in Mark chapter 12, verses 24 to 27, and Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29. Look again at 1 Timothy while we're there. Chapter 6. Verses 20 and 21. This is what Paul said. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith, 
grace be with you. <clears throat> what did he tell Timothy? In reality, he said, be on guard. Look out. There are going to be worldly and empty chatter out there. Has that changed since Timothy's time? No. And there are some that are going to falsely say that what they're saying is knowledge. And he says, basically, don't get caught up in that. It's the exact same thing as after 2 Timothy 2 and 15, 2 Timothy 2 and 16 says, uh, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead you to further ungodliness. And it goes on, when you're, you're following that, and 18 is talking about that you're uh, going away from the truth. It's reiterated there. Yeah, reiterated. And again, the importance is knowing what God's Word says by our own personal study and coming up with a sound interpretation. Um, something that is false needs to be identified and called out. Can I get someone to look up 2 Corinthians, just raise your hand, 2 Corinthians 11.26. Okay, back there, Caleb. Somebody else look up 2 Peter 2, verse 1. Get somebody. 2 Corinthians 11.26. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, Danger at sea, danger from false brothers. You get that last one? Danger in what? False brothers. That should strike a, a chord with all of us. Did you say Second Peter? Yeah, Second Peter chapter two, verse one. I have that. Okay. Um, but false prophets also arose among the people. Just as there were, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And what is Peter warning there? To the church. Destruction of false teachers. There's going to people be people within you, among you, that are going to be, and I'll use the term, false teachers. How do you prevent yourself from being taught falsely? Again, we have to dive in and, and, and kind of know. While you're there, read uh, verse 3. Second uh, Peter verse 3. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So what's the false thing there? False what? Words. Words. False words. Even Peter was wrong. Hmm? Even Peter talked wrong both and, and Paul did, mm -hmm. by his example, pointed things out. Yes, so false words. Somebody look up 2 Thessalonians 2.9. Sarah? The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So what's the false thing we need to look out there? Signs and wonders. False signs and wonders. 
How many times have you seen somebody in a televangelist going up to someone and saying, Heal, sister! And there's people that believe that. And I know we had a discussion in this class a few months ago when I sat in here about, you know, miracles. Well, you need to study God's Word to really know what constitutes a true miracle versus what constitutes the providence of, of, of God. Because there's a big, big difference. Big difference. So false wonders. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 11. Sarah, if you're still there, read verse 11. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. So what do we... What's, what's the false thing there that we, we could all be led into? Persist in believing false things. God can help you. Yeah, false beliefs. And if you persist, okay, here you go. And it, it'll, keep, it'll keep coming. False beliefs. <clears throat> right. So I had an example of this in my own life of a person whose father passed really, really struggling with what the scriptures had said. And he convinced himself, because of the pain of the loss, he convinced himself away from the scriptures. And so I feel like so often, it, it, to me, it goes again back to that part of even though God can say some tough things and some hard things, these are his words, and I will follow them. As opposed to wanting what I want out of that Bible. And so I feel like the... I, Specifically, see the delusions and how they and how they got there. It was the pain of the loss and and the pain of what he he had thought the scripture, what he knew the scriptures had said. Good point. And, and we, we we could all experience things yeah, like I that. I think in that mind, I remember seeing a car with a bumper sticker that said, "God does not answer prayers." And I and I thought, oh. How, to, you know, mm. how sad, how sad, sad that, that you believe that all your prayers were in vain. It wasn't in your time. God had a different plan. Who, who, who can recall the, the main focus of Sean's lesson last Sunday? That life will have what? Thorns. 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 Yeah. yeah. And if you don't guard yourself against them, it's easy to think that, oh, I'll never be led astray that way. But you, you yeah. really, it's, it, I, I think that's a pride that you ha at least I have to be humble about. I'm like, no, I really, even though things are hard, I still need to look in the scriptures and I still need to trust them, even when it is hard, when I have those times. Very, very, and that's very important. Jason? No, oh, I, 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 <laughs> we live in an age of uh, unparalleled, unparalleled personal offense. <laughs> Unparalleled. <clears throat> I'm offended that you said that. Yes. <laughs> Where every criticism is taken as a as a personal attack. We all today have huge fences around us. And the danger from avoiding here is that every idea then that is afloat out there all of a sudden can become valid in our own mind. Every falsehood is accepted in the name of diversity and tolerance. And what's a classic example in our society today where this is going on? LGBTQ. Yeah, there you go. LGBTQ. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you go to the ballpark now and get a Pride t-shirt from the Diamondbacks. I mean, give me a after after 60 or 70 years of study of Paul's writings, you find out he uses two words. One of them is sophistry, and the other one is gnosis. And the, the difference of the two is sophistry is what debaters use. It's the, the human understanding and the human way of argument and the human way of rationalizing, as opposed to gnosis, which is the true word of God. And quite often when confronted, we're just like, Joshua and those people, when the, the, the people wearing the, the, the bad clothes and the moldy bread came up, try to use your own opinion rather than asking God. And we do the same thing. When we're confronted, we take things, oh, that sounds really good. Those poor people, you know, we need to take care of them. No, it wasn't for the God. Yeah. Yeah, we live in a... I don't know if it's been any worse than what it is right now, in my opinion, but... Um, I think that, yes, like people can be led astray by different arguments, but I have the notion that perhaps it's always been that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I just recall this one time that Christ looked out on the multitudes of people and he had compassion on them and he saw them as lost sheep. And I like that attitude a lot because I don't think that it's okay for me to be judging anybody based on what they say is going on with them. I think it's just my job to say, here's what God says about that. And no matter what's going on in your life, he does love you and there is grace and there is mercy. And here's the truth. And it's up to that person to make the choice. Well, that's 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 true with a lot of everything, even it. even dealing with the fact that we're a, that you're a sinner. Yeah. I mean that that that's at the very core of understanding God's yeah. word that I am a sinner that God gave His Son as payment to take that sin yeah. away. Uh, you were mentioning how many faults things there are surrounding us in this age like I think it takes a very hardened heart to accept abortion it, it takes not wanting to face the truth and there's another subject you know that's becoming more a lot of it that come you know the, the socially acceptable thing yes you know you, you aren't allowed to even express your opinion and a friend of mine just had this on Facebook where she expressed her opinion and people just started jumping down her throat of, how can you how can you how can you, you know blah 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 and it's like it's your opinion you're allowed to have it and I looked at her and I says I says the way I look at a lot of things is I love the person but I hate their sin, and I'm going to try to to express to them. I'm not going to cut them, necessarily cut them off completely, but I'm not going. You know, if they bring it up, it's like I'm not going to have that discussion with you because I don't. You know, it's to me, it's a sin, and this is why. And and I do that with family members, and that's hard to say. I love Dev. I don't like Dev's lifestyle. 
I don't. Definitely and Satan I is don't, it. I don't approve of it, and my my family knows this, so it's just that's cool. You know, I don't catch flack from them, and they don't. You know, we don't have the argument, but at the same time, Deb's aware that you know if I want to talk to her about things, we need to be able to talk on a certain level and in, in a certain way where we aren't going to go into conflict with each other. We have to, we, and we as Christians, have to be willing at a certain point to say, okay, this is where the line's now drawn. And you're obviously never going to see my, where I'm coming from, even though I have you know, the Bible to show you, and I'm never going to see <coughs> your side of the argument. And I think that's true because even in our side, Satan is definitely heavy at work. And trying to reveal and share the truth just becomes harder when this environment is is, is in existence. Randy? And I think uh, one of the, the issues is that when, when certain sins become socially acceptable, people don't want to view them as sins anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. that way with homosexuality. But even before that, I mean, it's been that way with fornication for you know, decades, especially yeah. among men. Um, and, you know, there are some churches, usually not churches of Christ, but other denominational churches and whatnot, that fall into the thing of, okay, well, if this is socially acceptable, then we won't, con they don't consider that thing a sin anymore. Even though you know what's considered a sin is based on the Bible, not based on what society happens to accept at that particular time. I was hoping before we probably run out of time to talk about creeds and doctrine. <laughs> the Catholic Church, <clears throat> because the, it, it's big in our world. I can assure you, we have no creeds. We have the only doctrine we have is this doctrine right here. I think when we're like evangelizing, we need to be careful to not look at the limitations of the human being that we're studying with, and we need to look at more of how big God is, because even like right before um, He's gonna like end this world, like He will accept that person who repents. So I think we need to remember that and not put limits on people and say like, well, like just now because they don't understand, then never they'll understand. That that's limiting ourselves, that's limiting God. I I fully believe that anybody, like if I myself can change, I fully believe that anybody can change. And you have to look more at the power of God than the power of anything else. And I agree with you. I and mean, we'll be discussing some of this Wednesday night about practical application of what we study. And change is not easy. It's never easy. Especially when you got habits, you know, that just... That, or admitting that you're wrong. Yeah, or admitting that you're wrong. I mean, that, that's the problem with why the, the, the gospel isn't adhered to is because people see it as, well, that's a rule book that I don't want to be mm -hmm. under its control, you know. One, uh, the very first scripture that we talk about is rightly handling the Word of God. And that handling 
is for ourselves and also on how we handle it with other people. And I think what has happened so much in, in the Happy Clappies and the, the Joel Osteens, and uh, they, they preach cowardice in the fact that all they do is preach grace. I'm not saying that grace is cowardice, but that's all that they preach. Because there's no courage in, in just saying everyone's saved. Courage is in rightly handling and being able to sit down with someone and say, it's not what I believe, it is what God believes. And homosexuality has been brought up in this. It's it's sharing them scriptures that say, God loves you, God wants you, Christ died for you. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. It's preaching both sides of it, so that way they fully understand and rightly handling all of it, because some of the word is true. It comes back to the example that we showed of Philip when he came upon the Ethiopian eunuch. He asked the question, do you understand? And so they strove from that point on to have the Ethiopian eunuch come to an understanding of what what he was looking at. Well, we didn't get into some of the controversial doctrines, but let me just run down my list here and see if you agree with me of some of the controversial doctrines that are in the religious world today. Baptism, the Lord's Supper, prayer, Christmas, All Saints Day, and all of those holy holidays. Speaking in tongues, faith and works, the Great Commission, miracles and God's intervention, tithing, the Sabbath, God's will, Bible versions, family roles, Paul's apostleship. I mean, all of those are still very, very controversial subjects uh, that have a lot of misinterpretations surrounding them. Rick, that's 10 classes in itself. That's 10 classes in itself. I just was going to share the list. I wasn't going to go into any of that. All right, thanks. Good class.